I have had a burning desire within me to always do Christmas differently. As a, as a young married person in my 20s, uh, before kids, I was the Grinch. I was the Grinch because everything I saw in the world around me was about consuming more and more and more. And this railed on me as a young person on that if it's just about consuming and getting more and attaining more and going to more things, Boy, I was just really worn out. Our first Christmas as a married couple, we went to five different places, Lori and I. And at the, we got home on, on, uh, in the evening of Christmas night, absolutely exhausted and wiped out, saying that we will never do this again. <laughs> we will never do this again. Not that we didn't want to be with our people and family and friends and celebrate uh, together as, as community and, and family. We did. But five places in one day was absolutely exhausting. When we got home, we realized, well, I'm more tired than filled. I'm more exhausted and wiped out than I am filled and overjoyed uh, in being together. And so we decided that there was gonna be some boundaries that we were gonna need to set up, that we were going to, if, if we were gonna celebrate Advent and celebrate Christmas differently, we were going to need to operate differently, to step into this season differently. And it has been, uh, since as a, a, a young person in my 20s, now 20 years later, uh, a desire to to step into Advent, into the Christmas season differently and invite those who are with me in community to look at it differently, to celebrate and to be anticipating the coming of Jesus differently. And so again, the, the word Advent is the, is, is the, the word is, ad, is arrival of a notable person or a thing or an event. For us, it's Jesus coming into this world as a child. God deciding that I am going to give my only son to this world so that this world and the people in it have a way back into relationship with me. But God decided in this moment, in this Advent, we would all look at it differently because of Jesus coming. And so at Christmas, the one thing that we should distinguish uh, as a Christ follower is love and the love that reaches out to the marginalized and forgotten. Think of the Christmas story. Jesus comes into this world, not as a king, not as royalty, but as a lowly child, giving birth in a city, in a town that is not their own, with no space for them in any kind of dwelling except for a cave where animals are at. Where at night, to, to, get, to be away from predators and whatnot, they, the shepherds huddle them into a cave in the hillsides of Bethlehem. And this is the only place that exists that they can give birth. This is how Jesus comes into the world, church. Not at a castle, not on a throne, not with lots of nursemaids around, but simply with Mary and Joseph and some animals huddled in a cave in a manger. And so again, what should distinguish us as a Christ follower is the way we reach out to those who are marginalized and forgotten. And such love is an act of true worship. In this Advent conspiracy, we've talked about worshiping fully, worshiping fully a God who loves us, and we know this love because of Jesus coming into this world. Over and over again in Scripture, we see Jesus teaching uh, that uh, he is on the side of the impoverished, 
As followers of Christ, we are called to do the same, to lavishly love the poor, the hurting, the lonely. Let's go back to Isaiah 61, where Jesus, in a moment, in, in, on, a, on, a, on a Sabbath morning or day, stands in the synagogue and reads Isaiah 61, right? Talking about the, the, um, encouraging the poor and healing the brokenhearted and freeing the captives and proclaiming the year of the Lord. And he stands in, in the middle of the synagogue, in the sanctuary, and he proclaims Isaiah 61, and then he sits down and he says, in your hearing, this is true. In your hearing, this is being revealed to you. Though they didn't see it now, but we see this as Jesus' mission statement, as he's, as he's proclaiming that in early in his ministry. And so for us, the people in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our cities, and around the world, how are we being called to love and to love all? It's really easy to love the people who are lovable. For me, church, it's easy to love the people who are lovable. The hardest people to, to love are the ones that give me the most grief. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the day in and the day out that I'm not sure if I have what it takes within me to love. Because all the humanity and flesh in me wants to pull away and be safe and secure in my own space. But that isn't the Jesus who has come to earth. That isn't the Jesus who has come to be our savior. The Jesus who has come to, to earth as a child and to, and to grow into a man and then become our savior on the cross and to resurrect three days later. The Jesus who came to be our savior came to love all. He, he was hanging on that cross. Knowing that all those who had hung him on that cross a week later had been celebrating and worshiping. He is the one who's come to save us. They'd been singing, right? They've been, they've been uh, uh, laying palm branches in, in, the, in, the, in the streets as he walks in. A week before he's hanging on the cross. And to know that this is the Jesus that we love and serve, the God that says, I have given you my son. Will you, will you, will you follow me? Will you love those who are, who are impoverished and who are marginalized? Will you care for those who, who are the ones left on the side of the road? The, the ones that, that are um, looked over. When God's people serve in humble and generous ways, the story of Jesus is told again and again and again. Through our actions and our words, people will be, will be reminded that they are loved by the creator of the universe, and he has not forgotten them. Some of you are in difficult seasons of life. Some of you are navigating some really difficult uh, pathways and roads. Some of you may feel like the, the person who's wounded on the side of the road and all that keep going by are good people who just pass by you. Church, the world will know God's love by us stopping and caring for those who are beaten and passed over and marginalized on the side of the road. Those in our life that we come in contact with, those that are struggling in everyday kind of lives, those who are struggling in really in very real ways, battling sickness or loss of a loved one. Can we enter into those spaces and to offer love and to care and compassion? We radically love others because we have personally experienced the radical love of God. 
And that changes our hearts as it should, and it changes the way we celebrate Christmas. When we show up in love in the name of Jesus, God shows up. Scripture tells us there is power in the name of the Lord. Psalms talks about it. It also talks about it in the New Testament, attaching that very phrase to Jesus himself. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we walk into our everyday life knowing that I am called to love all, those that I come in contact with, those who are easy to love, and those who are very difficult to love. And that I'm called to love. I'm called to step into places and to care and to love in ways that I don't have the capacity to do so. But with the Holy Spirit within me, I can step into those places and love and care in ways that I couldn't do on my own, but through the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of power in the name of Jesus, I can. I can care, I can love, I can recognize, and I can see. Um, we're gonna read out of Matthew 25, so uh, Aubrey's gonna come and read. And every time we have a family service, we're gonna try to read out of the Easy Reader version. I was just turned on to the Easy Reader version. I don't, I didn't, this wasn't existed when I was a kid. So the Easy Reader version is in, um, in terms and words that are, are hopefully uh, kids who can read or learning to read can gain, can gain uh, knowledge and understanding about what's in the scripture. So though we not, may not be reading from the scripture you have, uh, the, the version will be up on the screen, but we're gonna read, um, or Aubrey's gonna read Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 34. Oh wait, hold on, you're gonna need this. Then the king will say to the godly people on his right, Come, my father has great blood. The kingdom he promised is now yours. It has been prepared for you since the world. It is yours because I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something. When I had no place to stay, you welcomed me. When I was without clothes, you gave, gave me something to wear. When I was sick, you cared for me. And when I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the godly people will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to eat? When did we see you with no place to stay and welcome you into our home? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to eat? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? Then the king will answer, the truth is, anything you did for any of my people here, you also did for me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure many of us growing up in church have heard this scripture many, many, many times. And for me, this Advent season, it becomes maybe even that call every day as I wake in the morning, Lord, who are you calling me to treat like this? Who uh, is it that I will interact with, that I will engage with today, that this needs to be the vision, the, the, the way I view the world? That those I'm caring for and loving and stepping into relationship, having conversations with, in doing so, is this Jesus? Right, even scriptures say that those that we have maybe come into contact with and offered kind of that hospitality, extreme hospitality, in some doing so, they, they don't, don't even realize they've entertained and welcomed and cared for even the heavenly hosts. Abraham and Sarah being, being that story where they welcome guests into their tent and Abraham tells Sarah, go and, and make some bread and, and not just a little bit, 60 loaves of bread, 60 bread cakes for three visitors. That's an insane amount. 
for a, for a visit. So in a kind of way of welcoming people in, of offering hospitality, is this, in doing this, are we caring even for God himself? The question here that even exists in Matthew 25, when did we do these things? When did we do these things? When you saw those who were hungry and you fed them. When you saw those who were thirsty and you gave them something to drink. When you saw those who were naked and you clothed them. When you saw those who were captive or in prison, you visited them. Church, there's no end. There is no end to the amount of need that exists in our world. The good part of this is that he's, God has called his church to be about the work of his kingdom in this world, to be about reconciling the world back to him, that where there is hopelessness, he's called a church to offer hope. Where there is hate, he's called a church to love. Where there's chaos, he's called a church to be a people of peace. Do you see the call here, church? That for this Christmas season, for this Advent conspiracy, we can exchange consumption for compassion. Like I said, early on for me, there's been no end to this uh, consuming mentality. We consumed the events we go to. We consume other activities we are going to. We consume just even gifts and more and more and more. And all of that just seems so draining and has always felt so draining to me. And so here for us, as C3 has pursued this Advent conspiracy to help us prepare for the arrival of Jesus in our everyday lives and to, pe to better align ourselves with God's movement. If we resist the empire of more, what if the story of God drawing near through Jesus compelled us to love those living in the margins of our world? What if we joined together to serve both our local community and our global partners in the name of Jesus, his powerful name? Consider new collaborations with others in our community and as together we serve those in our midst. It's both local and global and, and both in our individual relationships as well as our collective family uh, uh, influence that we have within our community. Christmas is our chance to move closer to those in crisis, not further away. It, are, it is our time to notice those who are normally ignored and in short, it's our turn to love as we have been loved. It's our turn to see this Jesus who is in the, in the person of the, this child coming to earth, his incarnation, God becoming man, God becoming human, that within us there's a transformation that can take place, that incarnation lived out within us to those around us. God's love showered upon us, being offered to those around us. Again, what if we resisted the empire of more and we grabbed hold of the kingdom of Shalom? And shalom is a Hebrew word that means peace, and not just a peace that I offer to you, but it's a peace that comes and stays and resides. That kind of peace does not exist in our world in this season. And do you know how I know this? Has anybody been to any store in the last two days? <laughs> That kind of peace does not exist in our world and there is no other season that explains it better to me than this season that our world is looking for something but it cannot, it cannot grab hold of it. We cannot buy it. 
We cannot buy the peace of God. We cannot buy peace that God is inviting us into. It's something that is a gift. It is a gift he's inviting us to take hold of and to receive. We cannot earn this peace or this grace. We can work towards better living it out. And that when I go somewhere during this season, I want to be a person of peace to all the chaos that exists around me. Again, there is no shortage of chaos and this season just uh, exemplifies it to the nth degree in our world. But as Christ followers, he's inviting us to be something entirely different, to proclaim the goodness of God. And so a couple questions as we close this morning. Who can you come alongside? Who is God inviting you to come alongside this Advent season and beyond? Again, as Matt uh, uh, mentioned to us last week, that really the 12 days of Christmas starts tomorrow and leads us 12 days from there. And each one of those gifts have a significance in our spiritual walk. Who is God inviting you to come alongside this season and beyond? And what new traditions is God inviting you to start? And and maybe when I say start, I don't mean start something new. Maybe it's stopping something that has existed because it isn't offering you the fullness and the peace and the rest that God is offering you. Maybe it's stopping. And that stopping is starting starting something new then, a place to be and belong with God. If we resist the power, or we resist the empire of more, and we claim and grab hold of the kingdom of shalom, that peace is within us, and it goes before us. The lines that you wait in might be looking around at the people God has put in your path instead of trying to get through to pay the cashier so you can move on. The place you're going to go with your children, your grandkids, or, or, or extended family you may not be rushing to get that pie done or bake those cookies or get the roast done. It might be that this is an opportunity for us to gather, eat some really good food at a table that we get invited to as the family of God. There's a different invitation through the incarnation of Jesus coming into this world and being our savior. That is the kingdom of Shalom. If we hold on to that, the rest of this world looks very foreign and we become exiles called to live and be different in our everyday life. That's the invitation. That's the conspiracy church. That's the conspiracy. It's not some political uh, ploy. It's this conspiracy that we are called to be different as Jesus people. And when we are, the world takes notice. When we are, the world takes notice. And kids, this is for you as well. When we receive that peace from Jesus, 
We aren't running around for the next. We are enjoying each and every moment. And maybe church, honestly, kids get this the best. We could take a few lessons from our own, from our young ones who run around and are joyful, hopeful, and everyday experiences. Jesus is there. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, lead us, I pray. Lead us, I pray, into places and in ways that, that God, you're calling us to be your hands and feet, to love all who are around us. That in, in places of busyness and chaos, Lord, may your stillness and your peace flood over us and we exist in a different way in those, in those, in those places, places. And God, you are doing a good work in and through us. Help us love all and be compassionate and set aside and release the consumer and hold on to the grace you've given us. Lead us, I pray, in your name. Amen.